0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us here today to gather to worship you and uh, just listen to your word and as we listen to it, apply it to our lives and as we leave this church to share that love that you, that you provide to us and that the Holy Spirit actually shows through us to others. Just let us, let us be that light and that love in the world that you're calling us to be. It's in your holy name we pray, amen.
1: Well, good morning everybody. As uh, Matt kind of introduced us earlier my name is Michael Campbell. I'm one of the elders here um, and I'm joined by Rob.
0: Yes I'm Rob Jones, one of the deacons at the Grove. Glad to have everybody here today. The man responsible for the Grove group. <laughs> Alright.
1: Yep. So one of the things about the book of John or not the book of John but First John the Epistle um, is John will make a point and then he will leave it and he will come back to it later. And he does that kind of off and on, which honestly it can make it a little bit difficult to read um, 1 John sometimes because he'll touch on something, he's off, and he'll come back and you're like, where did that come from? Oh yeah, that was in the the previous chapter. And, you know, so that's kind of what's happening today. Uh, Last week we talked about what it means to be children of God. And a few things of what that looks like. So, if we look back, um, so I want to kind of tie this into the message from last week. You know, if we look back at First John um, two twenty nine, you know, he said, "If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him." Right, and then he goes into a little bit more about. Um, love and what that looks like. Well, now he comes back to that, that topic of practicing righteousness. And that's one of the things that he really starts to focus on in this first part of the section um, of 1 John 3, 4 through 10. And that's the part of the passage I'm going to read. So you basically two for the price of one today. I'm going to do the first half of the message and then Rob's going to come in and he's going to layer on top of that with the, the love one another. Uh, from verses eleven to eighteen. So let's go ahead and read that uh, that passage. So if you would, please turn with me to first John three, four through ten. Everyone who practice, excuse me, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You knew that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. He cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this is it, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Some of the translations, uh, I think like the NIV 1984 uses the word does what is right. Um, I, I like the way the ESV clearly spells it out of practicing righteousness because while it's technically true, does what is right, does what is right in God's sight, does what is right by God's law, it can easily be confused with the way the world sees right. Right, so I like the way the ESV really touches on this and says, "Practices righteousness," because that's what what John's really talking about here. Um, is two different kinds of people, two different lifestyles, right? One that is practicing righteousness, and one that is not. I mean, he he really goes into it. He says it in verses six, eight, and nine. He keeps going back and basically saying the same thing, different ways. Right? You're going to Practice righteousness if you're one of God's children. And if you're not one of God's children, you're not going to practice righteousness, right? Practicing righteousness is a way of, as John had talked about earlier, abiding in Christ. And if you remember back to when Matt was talking about that, that abiding, this was several weeks back, abiding means you know, to, to remain and to live, to be obedient to, Right? Um, so when you're remaining in Christ, you're living in Christ. That That is a lifestyle, right? I want to jump back to a passage that we covered last week. If you would, turn with me real quick back to Ephesians 4, 17. We were at a longer passage last week, but this week I just want to cover the first part of it. And this goes to what... John is talking about of, of practicing righteousness and making that choice so in Ephesians four seventeen through 19 he's talking about a new life now this I say in test and this is the Apostle Paul talking now this I say in testifying the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of a God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality. Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. There we see that word practice again, right? Practicing righteousness versus practicing impurity and, and unrighteousness. So that's that's what we're talking about here you know again when Paul talks about the Gentiles in that context he's talking about basically unbelievers right? those that were outside of the family of God and just as Paul talked about there John's talking about the same thing he's talking about habitual sin or habitual righteousness right it, it, it's a not a I make a mistake. I sin once in a while, or, or something like that, because um, it can ease. Someone can easily read in this uh, and say that, well, if you're a child of God, you never sin, and that's simply not the case, right? I mean, what we're talking about here is is the the ability to choose one thing over another, and what we what we get out of that is. You know those choices; they they will influence how we behave, right? To 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 give a couple of examples, maybe, um, you know, what we Jesus talks about—it's what comes out of a man's heart that makes him impure, right? And what makes the heart impure, by and large, is what goes into us. And yes, we do have a sinful nature, but what I mean by that is some of our choices. Say, um, if I listen to some music at night, let's say, I don't know, I, I like to listen to Pink Floyd, um, and I wake up in the morning, I'm typically humming comfortably, "Number Hey You, or something like that. That sticks in my head, right? Now, when Maya's doing a song for the children, or when she's up here, you know, helping with worship, she's practicing that song through the weeks. Do you know what I usually wake up humming? It's that song. Right, because that's what I'm hearing. So it's a choice that you can listen to one thing or another. Sometimes you don't have the choice because you can hear her all over the house, which is a a blessed thing as she sings and plays. Um, She's not here, so I can say that. Um, (laughs) I'm sure of it. Well, her mother even said she's getting a lot better, so it it was awesome. Um, But that's only one example. Think about If you listen to podcasts, you know, maybe maybe you're during your commute, you're on the bus or you're having a break. Um, Are you listening to podcasts that are proclaiming the word of God or are you listening to something else? And it's not necessarily that the other else is bad, but you have to get to the root of it, right? Because if you're listening to a podcast and that person is a they're bringing the word of God and they're a peacemaker and they are encouraging you, right, to, to be righteous, to pursue righteousness. That's a good thing. If you're listening to another podcast or someone's a rebel rouser and they're like, how dare they this or how dare they that, and on and on and on, that influences how we behave and how we react, right? So that, that's a very simple example. Um, of what, our, our side of it, you know, the choices that we can make and how we influence. Now, as I said at the beginning, there's another part to it, which is our sinful nature. And in verse 8, uh, was it verse 8? Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Yes, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So there's another part to it, right? And and this kind of goes into the um, us practicing righteousness, us having choices, but we're also sinful creatures, right? We do have a sinful nature that taints everything that we do and everything that we say. And the reason why Jesus came was to bring us life, to destroy the works of the devil that he had been doing from the beginning, right? Practicing evil. Now, when we talk about practicing righteousness, we need to be clear about a couple of things. Because of our sinful nature, we bring no righteousness of our own. The only righteousness we have is that which Christ gives us, right? So, we want to be very clear about that part. And Christ came to destroy the works of the devil to give us life, to give us another way. You know, if you look at the context here, we're talking about two different lifestyles, two different, let's call it worldviews, right? And that's really what we look at. We have a Christian worldview, right, where we we look at, and let me back up a second, make sure that I I explained what we mean by worldview. So basically your worldview is your set of values, your set of beliefs, how you view the world, how you think about things, what motivates you, and that's a big one, right? So if you think about a Christian worldview, what motivates us should be pleasing God, not to earn our salvation like we talked about last week, right? It's not that. It's out of a heart of gratitude because of what Christ has done for us. So you have a different worldview and the world has other different worldviews, but you're basically in two different camps. But I'm probably getting a little bit ahead of myself on that one. Sorry. And one of the things following along with that that we need to be make you know, we need to make sure that we're clear on is that you know it's not our righteousness um we do have choices that we can make but we can't live a sinless life right that, that is something to be very clear about here when when john talks about not sinning or practicing righteousness he's not talking about you know that we're not going to sin it's very clear that we are now you will hear some people in the world today, as they have before, say that it is possible to live a sinless life. Um, I actually heard somebody say that once, and the first thing that popped in my head is, well, you just blew it because you just lied. Um, so, it's it's not that. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that, we're not saying that, and neither is John, right? It's very clear in Scripture that we are fallen creatures, we will sin, but what we're talking about here is habitual sin. So, I don't want to belabor that point too much, um, but I just want to be very clear about the, the part that John's talking about, about practicing righteousness versus not. Um, but we might say, you know, what does that look like, right? In, in our study of Romans that we're doing in our Grow group, and some of y'all that are there remember this, um, probably about three weeks ago or so, In in the part of the series that we covered, Dr. Kruger talked about um, some people's reaction to us being sinners. And and he even used the example of, well, my my neighbor, the little old lady, she's she's nicer than I am. She's not mean. She's not evil. Um, When we think about sinful nature and people being sinful, and especially if we look at what John's saying here about lawlessness it's very easy for us to start thinking in the worst possible terms, right? And I think that's why, Matt, what you talked about a few weeks ago with the total depravity, how that it, it means that every aspect of us, of our nature, is tainted, right? So it, it's not saying we're as bad as we could be, right? And that's not really what John is, is talking about here either so we can look around us and we can see people who seem to have pretty good lifestyles make good choices they're nice they're pleasant to talk to but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're practicing righteousness again we have to go back to the things of what actually motivates them what is their world view you know, is it a worldview of practicing righteousness, of praising the Lord and putting Him in His proper place in our life? Or is it something else? Um, because one of the things that we, we often, I think, overlook is there are sins of commission and sins of omission. And a lot of what we just talked about or what I was covering with you know the evidence of somebody's life we look at sins of commission right committing a sin doing something wrong you know hating somebody or, or speaking negatively um, there's also another side to it which I'll get to in a minute I want to read something from Charles Spurgeon uh, which does this much better than I can um, he talks about the sins of commission and the sins of omission. And very often, when we look at people around us, it's not necessarily that they're they're evil, rotten people, and they're committing all these terrible sins. Their sin is a sin of omission, right? So that's something that we need to be kind of clear on. Let me go ahead and read this from Spurgeon. Um, it's a little bit long, so please bear with me. I Little it down as best as possible to still capture the essence of what he was saying. And this is from one of his sermons back in 1883, I think it was. Uh, He was giving a sermon on this particular passage, you know, talking about 1 John 3, verses 4 and 5. And here's what Spurgeon has to say about sins of commission, omission, you know, practicing righteousness. And this is Spurgeon speaking. Since any want of conformity to the perfect mind of God, or according to our text, sin is the transgression of the law. And every transgression of the law is sin. Every sin is offense against the law. And you will see if you look at the law in, in, in another... Well, excuse me. Every sin is an offense against the law. As you will see if you look at the law in another aspect. You remember that great command, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Kind of like what you had talked about earlier, Matt, right? Now if anything, now if in anything we come short of that command, or if we do anything contrary to it, we have violated the law. Right? So he's talking about with those sins of commission, if you're coming short of something, you're commanded to do something, you don't fully do it, that's a sin. If you're commanded not to do something, you go beyond it, you know, and you say, well, I'm going to do it anyway. That's a sin. This is what every kind of sin does, either by falling short of the command of God or by going beyond it, the law is broken. So those were the sins of commission. Now he talks about then take the other side of the truth. Every breach of the law is a sin. If thou dost not do what God commands thee fully, heartily, always, without fail, thou hast sinned. Let me further say that sin is mainly sin because it is a transgression of the law. Many a person will say, I, didn't, I did no harm to anyone. That is not the point. I do not accuse you of this or that particular sin, but I lay the axe nearer to the root than that and tell you that your great sin is that you do not serve God. You do not give your maker the homage which is his due. Your heart never bowels itself in obedience to him. You are a born rebel. You are an enmity against the Most High, and you will not yield to him your Lord and Sovereign. That's convicting. That's heavy. This is the very essence and virus of the worst possible sin. I know that some of you will not think much of this view. That is because they do not think much of God. And herein is a clear proof of man's enmity against God and that he does not think any great evil that he should trifle with the law of God and live according to his own will and way. In other words... It's a terrible sin to not give God his place, right? And to live according to our own will and way and just say, well, I'm going to do whatever I want. Again, talking about the sins of omission. He continues and starts to wrap up. Now, let me show you that it is a great sin to break the law of God. For the man who habitually breaks the law of God is a traitor to his sovereign. He He impugns God's right to reign. He practically says, who is Jehovah that I should obey him? As far as he can, he dashes the scepter out of God's hand, takes the crown from his head, and makes himself to be his own king and his own lord. Is this, thank you, a little evil? And that's what John is talking about When he talks about practicing righteousness, and when we talk about sins of commission and omission, there's the ones that Spurgeon talked about, and the ones that the Apostle Paul talked about, and James has talked about, where it's doing something wrong. It, it's not practicing righteousness. It's it's also the part where you're not practicing righteousness by not giving God His due, right? Christ came to free us from sin, to give us another way. He was fully obedient. He was never guilty of sin, of commission or omission. So he was fully obedient to the will of God and gave us a way to live. So we either look like the world or we look like Christ. When John wrapped up in verse 10 we look at that and he says by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil was there a third option did he say or of something else it's one or the other right you're either practicing righteousness pursuing Christ Or you're pursuing the world and the way of the devil. And one of the most evident ways of that he finishes in verse 10 whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is the one who loves his brother. And Rob with that I'll hand it off to you to cover the rest of the the passage on
0: loving one another. All right. That's some tough stuff to swallow. Sometimes about uh, we're not going to be sinless, but we're called to a higher calling um, and to practice righteousness. Not just well, I can, I continue to trip over the same sin, same sin. Well, something has to give. We have God will empower us to get over that sin, and um, and He goes in like uh, Michael said at the end of chapter. Verse 10 was, nor is one who does not love his brother. That's a command that Christ had given already um, when he was talking to his disciples. And that's what's continued through verses 11 through 18 is about love for one another. <clears throat> I'll read that and uh, then we'll go through a couple main points that's in, this, in these verses. So It says, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another... Uh, so, throughout all of First John, uh, John's been going back, basically, back to the vac- basics of Christian living. And he goes through true doctrines, um, ways to live, obedient living, and also fervent devotion. And uh, in these verses here, he's continuing that with wish to love one another. And he takes it a step further about loving the brothers, those fellow Christians. We'll have a deeper love for them than um, that of the world, and also um, love is love is a fruit that we know a fruit of the spirit from Galatians five, and um, and that having love and also those other fruit of the spirit that those are indications. They're not a means of salvation, but they're indications. If you have those, if you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness and self-control those are indications that I'm saved that uh, you see it in fellow Christians as through their walk and talk um, so back to love and the very in verse eleven he says, we've heard this from the beginning that we should love one another and John's talking about when he was with the other apostles and Jesus He had just got done washing the disciple or the apostles' feet, and then he comes and talks about um, there'll be someone that betrays him, and that's in John chapter 13. Um, Right after that, he says, Jesus says to the apostles, A new command I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So it's a, it's a charge. And um, a quote from, his name is Francis Schaeffer. And he's saying, he said, John is saying, don't forget this. This command was given. This is to be your mark. So that love is, it's not something of the world. It's only something that the Holy Spirit gives through us. And um, it's, it's, it's a mark. It should be one of our marks. And uh, so as John continues in verses 12 and 13 and also 14, he's talking, he gives the example of Cain and Abel, how there's a righteous gift that Abel gave, which was of a pure, um, it was the first fruit of his, one of his lambs, I believe. And um, Cain, it just, it said in the Bible that he gave some of his grain and um of his crops so there's the righteous gift and then there was wasn't necessarily um, bad but it wasn't from the heart Abel's gift was from the heart that went to, went to God but Cain's was oh, I have this stuff let me just let me just hand that as my sacrifice to, to God and it wasn't viewed that way and, and God knew his heart and had confronted him over it. Uh, but that's that's how the world views it. It's, uh, let me go back. And then Cain, after this, God says, you, you're being tempted. And tries to give him the strength to fight off that temptation. But hatred built up in Cain. And then Cain ended up um, slaying Abel. And that that's the type of hatred that comes in saying, well, I gave this gift. But... He gave a little bit better one. I still should deserve everything that Cain or Abel got. Um, it's kind of a, the world views it as it's a dog eat dog world. I'm going to get mine no matter what happens to anyone else. And that's not what Scripture speaks. Scripture speaks that we are to love and live exactly how Christ did. Um, so continuing on, that's kind of a, we can see that righteousness and evil—they're just polar opposites. They're not there. There can be no evil and righteousness, and there can be no righteousness and evil. Uh, but John goes on to say here that, uh, where's that? Thirteen, he says, "Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you." It's not a if the world hates you; it's that. And this is the point that Michael kind of. Showed me earlier, and I, I guess I kind of breezed over it. I was more focused on the world hating us, but it's it's not a if the world hates us, it's that they will. Because you'll see it, and you'll you'll notice it, and it's not something that's arbitrary. It it'll it will happen that you'll have those who hate you and think that oh you're just a goody two shoes or something like that. I mean, there's there will be trials between us as Christians, and those in the world. And we also know that Christ and his apostles were persecuted during their time. So he's relaying, John is relaying that message that if we, that's another indication of salvation is hatred from the world or those who are of the world, they're not, they don't want to be shown what is right. They would rather live in sin and and not, um, not coming towards the light. Um, continuing on. We'll go into 16 to 18. And he's talking here about love for the brothers. Love for those of Christ. Fellow believers. Now in this specific instance. Is John talking about just the love that as believers. We should only love fellow believers. Not those of the world. He's not, he's not, John is not nullifying what Christ has already said about love for your neighbor. He is taking it a step further that we should have a deeper, more, uh, not just a fellowship, friendship love for fellow believers. But it's just this, it's a divine love that I want to see you be the best um, Christian you can be. I'll, uh, if you have any type of need, I'll be there for you no matter what. And he's—it's taken it a step further, and it doesn't nullify those commands that we already have of loving our neighbor as ourselves, which is um, in the parable of the Good Samaritan. The the guy—I forget who it was—says, "Who who is my neighbor?" When he when Christ goes through the whole message of uh, the parable of the whole of the good Samaritan he asks, who is my neighbor and Christ returns that question back to him after he, after he tells the parable of the good Samaritan which is there was a guy that got robbed on the street he was left for dead and there was at least two or three others that passed by um, passed by him they went to the other side to just not even go near the one who was hurt and then the last was the Samaritan who stopped, helped him, um, put him up, and uh, took care of his wounds and everything. And then Christ asked, um, this, I think it was a scribe, who do you think the neighbor is? And it was the one who showed mercy to the, uh, the man who fell among the robbers. So John is saying here, and I mean, that was, that's Christ saying all about loving our neighbor but what John is coming back to is especially verses 18 and verse 18 he's coming back to love in action not just love by word I can sit up here all day long and say I love you but if I'm not showing it to you if you need help or if you if anything if I'm not there for you in your time of trouble or struggle then am I really loving you or am I just talking, talking in the wind? Um, but that's, we, should be, we should love not only in word but in deed and in truth because that love is something that's given to us and, and through us through the Holy Spirit. And that's another of the, the fruit of the Spirit. And we can only have that type of, that type of love through salvation and the love of the world is just well, it can be a friendly love, but it's not something that comes from Christ or from um, the Holy Spirit being indwelled in us. Um, so that's kind of First John three eleven through eighteen. Um, kind of went through it, but the two main points was love for one another and the brothers, and also that love is a fruit. One of the indications of salvation, not a means, but it is an indication that we are saved. I do have one uh, prayer here. It's, it comes from the book called The Valley of Vision, which is a really good uh, book about Puritan prayers. Matt's talked to me about it. My mom ended up getting me this book in a few years, uh, I think about a year ago, but they're just heartfelt prayers of They don't list exactly who the Puritans were that prayed these prayers, but it's a really good um, book to have to not just breeze through, but meditate on. So there's a prayer about Christian love in here that I wanted to read for us before we close. And it says, O lover of the loveless, it is thy will that I should love thee with my heart, soul, mind, strength, and my neighbor as myself. But I am not sufficient for these things. There is by nature no pure love in my soul. Every affection in me is turned from thee. I am bound as slave to lust. I cannot love thee, lovely as thou art, until thou dost set me free. By grace I am thy freeman and would serve thee. For I believe thou art my God in Jesus, and that through him I am redeemed. And my sins are forgiven With this freedom I would always obey thee But I cannot walk in liberty Any more than I could first attain it of myself May thy spirit draw nearer to thee and thy ways Thou art the ends of all means For if they lead me not to thee I go away empty Order all my ways by the holy word And make thy commandments the joy of my heart That by them I may have happy converse with thee. May I grow in thy love and manifest it to mankind. Spirit of love, make me like the loving Jesus. Give me his benevolent temper, his beneficent actions. That I may shine before men to thy glory. The more thou doest in love in me and by me. Humble me the more. Keep me meek and lowly and always ready to give the honor. Whew. That's got me choked up already. <laughs> but no, it's good stuff, good stuff. Um. there we go.
1: I don't know, can you hear me? Yeah, yep. okay, everybody can hear me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was good, that was definitely good, Rob. Um, thank you for sharing that, especially, you know, those, those books like the, um, The Valley of Vision, and then, you know, we read a little bit from Spurgeon, and last week we looked at the London Baptist Confession, and one of the reasons why we share some of those things is to give folks just good resources, good, solid, biblical ones to to go to, um, to be able to get those truths that have been examined and critiqued and and, um, prayed over for, in many cases, centuries. Um, so those are really good things. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. You know, as we um, as we get ready to close, if Mason wants to come up and, and we'll do a reprise, I just want to make a few comments. Um, you know, we've seen sort of this arc through the book of John where he talked about being children of God. What does that look like? Practicing righteousness. What does that look like? And He's ending on love one another, right? So you can kind of see where it's if you're a child of God, you're going to practice righteousness. You're going to love one another. You're going to love the people around you, um, not as the world does, but as Christ loved those around him. Mm-hmm. You know, there was um, there was a point I, I skipped over by accident um, when I was given the message, and I, I just want to kind of. You know, talk about it just very briefly. Um, When Christ came to destroy the works of the devil, you know what? What are the works of the devil? We often think back to Genesis three, right, where we were, Adam and Eve were deceived and fallen into sin. But I think arguably, that wasn't the worst that he did. Right? It is a terrible thing which has tainted everything we do. But go back before that. What was Satan's real sin? If you think about what Spurgeon talked about, he did not bow to his Lord and Savior. He did not have love in his heart. He wanted to take the scepter and the crown from God and say, I want to rule. Even if it's not here, I would rather rule somewhere else and bring people with me and deceive them. So that's just something that you know we need to look at when we think about again the sins of commission and omission and what it looks like being children of God, practicing righteousness, then loving one another. Let us pray as we close. Father we do just want to sing your praises all day. we Thank you for being our Lord, being our sovereign, for being our Father and adopting us into your family. And we just pray that you would help us, give us strength to, to make the right choices, to, to practice righteousness, not to, to earn any favor, but as a, an outpouring of gratitude for what you've done for us. Lord, just help us to, to love one another um, as Christ loved those around him and gave his life as a sacrifice for many. And just as we go today in the folks that we run into, just help us to share that that truth and that light. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. And with that, as we always close, and as we just prayed about, go connecting communities and change lives by sharing the love and good news of Jesus Christ with everyone that you run into. You're dismissed. Thank you.